Hello and welcome to Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I have... Wow, I'm blinking this morning. <laughs> Jamin, Jamin Holmgren. Yes. Jamin Holmgren, yeah. Sorry yeah, about you, that. Yeah, you got it. Still, still waking up over here, as I told you before. It's about 7 a.m. over here. And, yeah. Uh, still waking up. I got my coffee in my hand, if you guys are watching the video. That's good. Uh, he's the CTO and co-founder of Infinite Red, a React native-based consultancy. And I have to say I'm so happy that you're on because I've been tweeting and checking with people and nobody wants to come on the podcast to talk about react native wow uh, are you course, uh are you are you just uh, abusing your react native guests here uh like uh, now now i'm getting scared alan <laughs> I, I think that's actually part of it and uh, the other part too is you know m maybe it's just that flutter is just so much better that nobody has ah. a foot to stand out i don't know i'm I, you go. know i i want to try to open up my mind so mm -hmm. I, I said this on the show before in the past and you know, we talked a little bit yeah. before is that my experience with react native was just disaster yep. things would be working uh and then I would upgrade a piece of it and then the whole app would kind of fall apart on me. Yeah. And uh, most people in React, or sorry, most people in, in Flutter, I think, are not huge fans of JavaScript. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, so, yeah, that's a, you know, that's also my thinking too, is I'm not a huge fan of JavaScript. So, um, yeah. But yeah, why, why, don't, why don't we just get to know more about who you are, right? So that sure. we have an idea about where, why you got your perspective. So, yeah. can you tell us more about kind of like where you got started from? Like, Why'd you even get in a program to begin with? That's a big endeavor to take, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, I I started really when I was twelve. Um, so this was back in the early nineties. Uh, I, uh, I my dad brought home a computer for his uh, his excavation company, and he was you know he had he was a little like small business, and he needed to be able to kind of do you know, do the books, right? Do the accounting, whatever. And he needed a computer to do this. Uh, he thought that that might make him more organized. It didn't really make him more organized, but it did give me an opportunity to, you know, kind of start exploring computers at a very young age. Actually, I think 11 was when I first started. And so I started by just modifying batch files uh, and seeing what that would do, you know, in DOS. And then I uh, uh, eventually dad upgraded to a, that was a 286. He upgraded to a 486 computer and then that came with QBasic. So I was able to start, uh, start playing around with, uh, you know, trying to, trying to code little games and stuff like that. And so I, I just loved it. It was just, uh, you know, I came from a blue collar family, you know, up in the Pacific Northwest. My, my one grandpa was like a, a logger and the other one was a union carpenter. And it was just like, you know, blue collar all the way down. Uh, but, for me, like, even though I didn't really have any role models that were programmers necessarily, there's one guy who was way too smart that I thought was the, you know, the gold standard for, for programmers. And, uh, but you know, I, I did it for a while and then kind of took a different path for a while. I ended up in construction, helping my dad and I worked for a home builder and I did some, some CAD drafting and, you know, remodel design and things like that. Uh, but and I've talked about this in, in a few other podcasts as well, but the uh, sort of the housing crash of 2008 really kind of put a stop to all of my construction stuff. And I started doing websites because I was like, well, I can do this, you know, as as a way to to earn money uh, as you know, I started my business in 2005. So that took off and I was able to start hiring employees in 2009. And, and we were doing PHP mainly to start with PHP and JavaScript and and my MySQL and things like that. And then, uh, uh, started building more web apps, um, started 
eventually got into Ruby on Rails and that was, that was fun. Kind of changed our stack. The first time I really changed my stack was to move into, to Ruby on Rails and then started doing native iOS development. Um, and that was fun uh, to kind of learn Objective-C and, and move into another stack and another device and a whole different paradigm. Uh, and then in 2015, I merged with another consultancy out of San Francisco uh, to become the new Infinite Red, which is the current company. I, I was able to kind of bring in two uh, business partners, uh, Todd and, and Todd Worth and Gantt Laborde. And uh, at that time, we decided that we were going to change our stack because we we really wanted to have some sort of a framework that would allow us to, you know, it was, it was very painful writing for Android and, and iOS, you know, native, native code and objective C wasn't our favorite. We were Ruby developers, right? We wanted to write nice, you know, better code. Uh, and knowing that your audience isn't necessarily big JavaScript fans, uh, I, that may sound weird that we would go from, you know, go to JavaScript to, to have a better experience. Uh, but it was better than Objective C and and Java, I guess, and so we we kind of went that direction. Um, of course, eventually TypeScript came around, and that that made a lot of things nicer. But uh, but yeah, uh, because of that, we kind of dropped a lot of the other things we were doing: Ember, Ruby on Rails, Elixir, and uh, and then we we kind of backed more into React on the website. But really kind of had the most traction with React Native and we really love doing mobile apps. So that's where we ended up just kind of keeping keeping the focus from 2015 onward. It was actually React Native 0.11 and I think we're up to 0.65 now. Uh, and we've, we have clients where they started at 0.11 and we've upgraded them all the way to 0.65. So that some of those pain points, Alan, that you've, that you've experienced, we've experienced all of them <laughs> times a hundred. So even with all that, you're still sticking with React Native? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, uh, we've, you know, like any like any tech stack, it's it's a trade off, right? Like you're, there's there's good things and there's bad things. There's never really I mean, you might be able to find some languages and frameworks and stuff where you can say this is just all bad, you know, possibly. Um, but I, I don't really like to look at it that way. I look at it in terms of trade offs. And a lot of times it's you know, your perspective, uh, where you're coming from, your context, the things that are important to you. And, uh, as we've gotten through it, we've, we've gotten to be pretty good at it. Uh, we've, we've learned kind of the, the, where the dragons lay, you know, like stay away from that area, right? Uh, the shadowy area. <laughs> and we've also, uh, seen the, the, the platform, the framework, um, mature quite a bit. It's it's amazing how much more mature it is now. Still not at 1.0 for whatever reason. Uh, actually, I kind of know why, but uh, it's not at 1.0 yet. It's very much approach approaching it. But we also had a chance to uh, be involved with the core team. Uh, we did our own open source around it, and uh, so you know the community around React Native I think is uh, what keeps us coming back. And we do a lot of community work too. Yeah, I think the first time I heard about you guys, at least in React Native landscape, was um, mm -hmm. your plugin for actually starting projects. Oh yeah, Ignite. Yep, Ignite. Yeah, yep. yeah. I was just working on it last night. Yeah, I think that was one of the first times where I started my React Native project and it actually was working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just me, maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, it's true. Was... Yeah, I mean, we we kept running into the same issues, right? And so, like for us, uh, we're we're consultancy. We you know we have anywhere from six to eight to ten React Native projects going at any one time. So for us, it was like we can't 
be spinning up apps and then having to spend two weeks configuring things so they all work. I mean, we know how to do it, but like, why spend the time, you know? So for us, like we, we, we built the tool. Um, my business partner, Gantt Laborde specifically was really instrumental and he was working on a project and he was like, you know what? He collaborated with another one of our developers. He's like, let's, let's get a stack in place. Let's get a standard stack in place. And there were even things like we would just apply, you know, patches to it like right off right out of the, right out of the gate where like you once you've run ignite new whatever your app is it would come out patched and ready to go now we've had to do a lot less of that lately but that was very common in the early days for sure okay so actually i'm a little bit surprised you guys uh dumped elixir because i do also like i said when we talked a while back i said hey yeah. i remember infinite red because you guys did uh an elixir lightning talk i think it was yeah it was pretty interesting uh, so, but I mean, like, cause even mobile apps, they all need a backend usually, right. unless you're right. doing something very it's specific. Yeah. So why, why dump something like Elixir? I think that's like one of the best languages for a backend considering the load it can handle and everything. We, we still love Elixir. Uh, you know, I, I, I built, um, Thesis, which was, uh, along with one of my developers, uh, Julian Glukenko built Thesis, which is like a content management system for Elixir. And it was really fun. Uh, we used actually P React um, for the front end, and uh, it, it's a very cool system. Uh, but the problem was, really, when it came down to it, we weren't doing that many backends. You know, the, the people would come to us with a backend already, or they'd have a backend team already in place. And what they really valued us for was our React Native expertise. They needed a mobile app. They needed us to build it on iOS and Android, and you know, they said, we've got the back end covered. Uh, and maybe they were using Elixir. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they're using Node. Maybe they were using Ruby on Rails or whatever they were using. Uh, even, you know, Firebase and, and other kind of serverless situations. So for us, um, it became less and less of a thing to be asked to do back end. And so our back end team kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And we would move people from our back end team to our React Native team. And eventually we made the decision, hey, you know what? Let's just go all in on, on React Native. It feels stable enough. It feels like enough people are using it now that we can, you know, base our consultancy on this. This is, is a big step, right? Like you don't want to be putting yourself in a situation where the technology sinks and now you're, you're, you're in a tough spot. Um, but, you know, we, we felt confident enough to do that. And it's been a good decision uh, because now when people reach out to us, they know what we're about. We're not just another agency. We're the React Native agency, you know, like it's kind of like if you're going to if you choose to do React Native and obviously there are alternatives like Flutter and they're, they're great alternatives. But if you choose to do React Native, then you want to go out and find the best people to do that. And that's kind of the the niche that we've put ourselves in. Yeah, the. um so going back to React Native, right? So what yeah. what was the things that I mean we, we both acknowledge that there's pain points, right? And, mm -hmm. and like and yeah. I think let's not keep digging on what you're here <laughs> for, right? Right. Uh, it, you know, of course, I've also had pain points with with Flutter, right? There's sometimes you get like a weird yeah. error, and you're like, what the heck does this thing even mean? Yeah, and yeah. You have to really dig into it to understand it. But like, what what was it that uh, really said, okay, you know what? there's something here. I have to stick with this thing. And this is really where I want to be. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, when we did our first two projects doing react native, uh, the jury was still out because, you know, we'd been doing native 
uh, iOS and Android apps. And so we knew how to do that. Um, but we needed to determine that, yeah, we can put out a product that is good. And, and at the time I remember thinking like JavaScript, like I've seen this rodeo before, right? Like, you know, phone gap or Cordova or Ionic, like, like there's some, there's some residual like pain, you know, from, from seeing JavaScript on an, on an iOS and Android app. And, uh, but we did that and we put our, our best developers on it and they went through and there were pain points for sure. And they reported back and they kind of worked together on these two projects that we were doing simultaneously. And at the end of the project, we were able to deploy, uh, working apps that had a good UX. Um, and both of them are still functional. One of which we still work on with the client. The other one, uh, kind of took it over in, internally and their internal team is now managing it. Uh, but yeah, one was like a pizza chain up in, in Canada and the other one, uh, is kind of a, a very niche product, but it's still going. And, and, uh, we have a developer that just spent a bunch of time on it, getting it up to, uh, react, the latest react native. And so we saw that there was success there and that's kind of how we approach a lot of these things. Like we're going to run an experiment. We're not going to make up our minds before we have real, like, like actual, knowledge of, of what it's, you know, what let, let's, let's get an actual app out there. Cause there's so many things that can go wrong and a demo can kind of like avoid those things or kind of slide by those things, but a real app can't, you have to actually deploy it. And so we were able to do that with two apps and they were both successful. So that gave us a lot of confidence moving forward. And then after that, there really wasn't a lot of doubt because every time that we would do a project, we'd get better at it. Every time we do a project, React Native would get a little better. There were certainly some moments where, I mean, there were there were a lot of pain points. Upgrades were a major pain point, major, major pain point for us. Like anytime a new upgrade would come out, we would be spending weeks trying to get it upgraded. And it just, it felt very, very bad. But we gave that, and I was involved, and I'm still involved to some degree with the React Native core team. We gave that feedback to the core team and over the course of, uh, of, I think it was 2018, 2019, they really focused on improving the upgrade process. And now it's not as big of a deal. Like when you get a, when you get an upgrade, you go in, you do the, you do the updates that need to happen and then you move forward and it, it isn't as big of a deal. I do think that, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of project priorities of, React Native are a little different than Flutter's. Uh, and so like Flutter, developer experience is extremely important. And I'm sure if Flutter uh, had been out at the same time as React Native when we first started, that there would have been a probably a tougher decision to make right then. Um, I don't remember exactly when Flutter came out. It, it wasn't really on our radar though at that time. Um, but like we, you know, we, we, we found that we were able to be successful with React Native and so we moved forward from there. And we haven't really had a, a touch or a point where we felt like that's the wrong decision. There, there certainly are projects I think that would benefit more from Flutter. And there's some projects that would work better with React Native. Uh, one thing that really gave us a lot of confidence was when Microsoft actually hired us to do a project in React Native. And so it allowed us to come in and work with their team working on, we were actually working on React Native Windows at the time. Uh, and we were, you know, doing another project for them. So, we were able to, uh, you know, work with with Microsoft and know that they were putting a lot of investment into React Native too. So even if it wasn't perfect at the time, it was like uh, we can see the path. You know, like it's it feels like there's a there's a direction to go here. 
Okay, so is is Microsoft actually still working with React Native? Because I know they're pushing into uh, Flutter recently. Yeah, they've been doing some Flutter, but uh, the Office team is rebuilding pretty much, as far as I know anyway, I haven't heard any different lately, um, but they are rebuilding pretty much all of Office and React Native. And this is both, this is web, this is mobile. They're also doing desktop. Uh, so they're doing React Native on uh, Windows and they're doing React Native on Mac OS. In fact, Microsoft is the primary maintainer of React Native Mac OS. So uh, they are actually maintaining a lot of the out of, you know, what we call uh, uh, off platform or uh, uh, alternative platform uh, uh, targets for React Native. Um, and so, uh, so they, they have, a, a, a enormous amount of effort going into React Native. I see them in the, like the, the, the core team discord all the time talking with the Facebook engineers. Um, so I'm not sure how much, you know, it'd be interesting to hear from Microsoft, like how much flutter they're doing versus how much React Native. And I'm sure there's some of that that's like, you know, different teams make different decisions, maybe different trade-offs involved. Uh, but the, I know the office team is is definitely uh, focused on on React Native right now. So actually, I was completely unaware of this. I was under the impression that React Native only is for mobile. So actually, you can build for other platforms. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, we sort of like this year have made it a priority to be focused on React Native all platforms. Uh, I just spoke with a potential client this morning, for example, and they actually had done React Native Web first. So React Native Web was their initial target. Now they need to bring it into iOS and Android, and they want us to do that. Um, and we we released a, a project recently that shares code uh, very heavily between iOS, Android, and Web. Um, we we're working on a project that does React Native Windows. And uh, then uh, React Native Mac OS, we haven't touched yet, but I want to. And then React Native TV OS is one that is an interesting one that my my partner Gant is uh, putting a lot of effort into kind of uh, figuring that out. Uh, there's a lot of different, there, there, was a, there was a talk at React Native EU 2019, uh, which is over in Poland. And they, uh, this talk was about, and I'm, blanking on the name right now, but there's a, there's a a company out there that does sort of like streaming video. They're basically like, um, they consult and build stuff. That's sort of like Netflix, you know, like if you want to build a Netflix like service and they use react native for all of their platforms, including Roku, which is in weird, but interesting. Uh, so they, they actually have a bunch of, uh, react native stuff that they're interfacing with like C plus plus on the end and, and whatnot. At the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's, it's like once you, once you separate the, the target, you know, from the descriptive language that shows what the UI should be, uh, now you can just start, you know, pivoting that instead of React, uh, instead of React DOM, now you've got React Native iOS, you've got React Native Android, and you can just start adding on platforms, you know, at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to hear about the performance of React Native because mm-hmm. I, I do remember like, for sure, Facebook app for me has been a little bit buggy. Mm-hmm. And another weird thing about Facebook app is that sometimes I don't know. I don't think this is a problem of of uh, React Native necessarily, but I think it may be a problem of just Facebook is like usually the latest notification should be at the top, but sometimes they get jumbled. I don't know what <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of these things 
aren't necessarily inherent to the framework you're using. Um, you know, they're, I think a lot of times implementation issues, uh, with that in mind, um, obviously there are, there are dragons around performance, just like anything. And, uh, I know that, uh, for example, discord, which discord, the, the app discord is entirely built in react native. They've done a lot of things on performance to make sure that they were able to, to achieve, um, uh, native like, uh, performance and actually Coinbase. We just interviewed for our podcast, little, uh, little plug react native radio podcast. Um, that, uh, was very interesting and we're, we're releasing that. I don't know if it's this week or next, next week, but, uh, that was an interesting conversation with the Coinbase folks. Um, and one of their key considerations because they were bringing native developers to react native was they said, we can't be compromising on performance. Like it has to feel fluid and smooth and those sort of things. So, um, uh, they were able to do that and they were able to achieve the type of, uh, performance. And now when you look at Coinbase, it's all react native. Um, so there, you know, obviously like anywhere there's, there's gotchas. Um, and then the other thing is tomorrow morning, react native EU, uh, online is uh, starting as an, you know, online conference, and uh, Facebook is expected to give an update on Fabric, which Fabric is a uh, it's a uh, rearchitecture of the core architecture behind React Native to make it more. Um, it's sort of like you know how Flutter uses um, uh, they're 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 uh, communicating directly with the native APIs. React Native is going to be doing the same thing, and so you're going to have uh, you know much more. It's, it'll be easier to achieve the type of fluidity that you need to. I think one of the biggest performance bottlenecks was the bridge, which, if you're not familiar with React Native's bridge, basically had the JavaScript side, which is running in a in a um, like a JavaScript VM, and then it would have to communicate by serializing messages into strings, sending them over this communication layer, deserializing on the other side, and then running methods from there. Uh, on the native side and then the same thing back. So you're serializing and deserializing quite a bit. That doesn't work very well when you're doing like animations or anything that requires a lot of, uh, you know, continuous, uh, communication. We found ways around it where it doesn't matter so much, but with fabric, that's going to change a lot and it's going to make things a lot easier. So is there going to be any changes for the developer that they need to do to their app or to use Fabric? Or is it just upgrade your version and hopefully everything goes goes smoothly and then you're you're kind of in business? I'm hoping it's the latter. Uh, and that is their goal is to make it so that it's a seamless upgrade. Um, hopefully it's just internals. And then library authors may have some things that they, but they're still supporting the the bridge, you know, for a long time. So basically you can use either the bridge or the you know, the new architecture. Um, so both of those options will be available. Uh, I think that's a good idea because even though we're on zero point something, it's a lot of people are using this in production and you don't want to be breaking their apps with a big, you know, big release that just breaks everything. Right. So, uh, so that's, that's, but we'll see tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'm going to be tuning in and seeing what's happening. And then we're going to do a podcast episode about that. On, we're going to record it on a Friday and probably release it in a week or two uh, about, you know, what's announced basically at that point. Okay. Actually, I have to keep my eyes open on what's going on in React Native. It seems to be much farther ahead than I was imagining. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I yeah. thought you got five platforms and then, uh, yeah. you know, React Native, you just have two. It <laughs> seems, seems things are, are, are much, much different. Maybe the, the advertisement or our marketing around that just isn't there. Or maybe it's just not in my circle. 
I would agree. I think Google's way better at at marketing their their uh, their stuff, and they they do a great job, to be honest, in uh, like you know like developer relationships and and whatnot. Not that Facebook is horrible at it, but Facebook does. You know, uh, they 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 have their own internal customer and they have uh, things that they're focused on. Um, but with that said, they've been reaching out. They reached out to us and and are going to be asking us a, bu- a bunch of questions about how we use react native. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's a lot going on for sure. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, like, like a lot of this stuff, it's like uh, you, you sort of have the hype cycle, right? So like it was hyped up big time when it first came out. But then it kind of drops off and everybody's like, oh, well, React Native's dead, right? But then it just like slowly is rising and rising and rising and rising. And and we've been seeing that happen the whole time because we're pretty tuned into it. Um, I, I think overall, uh, you know, it's in a pretty good place. And I, I honestly, Flutter is part of that story as well. Uh, because Flutter pushes React Native just like React Native pushes Flutter. If there's no alternative, then, you know, who cares, right? But if if there's an alternative, then uh, React Native has to get better, or else it's not going to get used. And so, same thing with Flutter. Flutter two is out now because uh, you know uh, one of the things was like there's no web story. Well, now there is. Like it's it's very much a um, Flutter two now has web as a first class citizen. May never be as big as React, right? Like React is huge, but it but it's there and you can do it, right? So. Um, I think that they both push each other in good ways. When one comes out uh, with a great feature, it's okay to copy it. Like, that's fine. Like, this helps all of us developers, you know? Like, we're, I don't own Google, you know? I, I don't own Facebook. So, for me, this is all good. Yeah. The uh, Actually, I, I have a question. So, I know React is usually for web, but what is mm-hmm. React Native for web? Because that's kind of blowing my mind about what does that actually mean? <laughs> Yeah, why why would you ever do that? That's a it's a like a it's a weird thing. But um, to be completely honest, I actually think that React Native Web is what React should have been like originally, um, because what React did was it uh, it took this virtual DOM like this JSX type thing and it married with it with React DOM, and React DOM really is using through JSX. It's using divs, spans, a's. P tags, you know, strong, like all these things are actual like HTML tags, right? I don't think it should have been that. I think it should have started with views and buttons and things like that. Images. It should have started with, uh, what, what I would consider to be like, like generic, uh, components that then get translated into divs on the back end. They get translated into image tags on the background, things like that. So to me, uh, that's what React Native Web is because you basically have an API. React React versus React Native. React has the you know divs, p's, etc. React Native uses view as its main building block. That doesn't exist on web. You don't use a view tag, right? But it uses view, and view is a is a primitive that works fine on Android and it works fine on on iOS. On iOS, it would be a UI view. That's the backing thing, and on Android, it would be an Android view. I don't know. It's one of what, well, yeah, Android view, I guess, uh, or component. And so it translates that on the back end. There's no reason that we can't do the same thing on web and make that a div. That same view, it could be a div. 
And uh, then the other thing it does, the React Native does, it has uh, yoga. Yoga is, uh, most people don't even know this because it's so transparent, but like um, what you do is you give it basically a CSS-like thing with Flexbox and whatnot. And yoga is a layout engine that works basically like what you would see in a browser. And so it lays out on the screen just using CSS-like properties. And so instead of using yoga on web, they just emit CSS and it works how you would expect. Okay, so React Native for web is similar to React. Let me just I'll try to back up my understanding. But when you write React for when you write React for web, you use mm-hmm. divs, everything. But if you write React Native, you cannot use divs and ptex and all that. You have to use React Native specific components. Yeah. So now you can really share more code, right? If you go this route. Exactly, because they're a view, and a view is a view is a view. It doesn't matter if it's on the web, which would be a div. It doesn't matter if it's on Android, you know, an Android view, or if it's on iOS, it's a UI view. It could also be on uh, on uh, Windows, and what is Windows? You know, whatever use- Windows uses for a view, and whatever Mac OS uses for a view, which would probably be like a like an NS view or something like that. So, like uh, each of these things, it's it's a more generic name for it rather than div because div doesn't mean anything on android div doesn't mean anything on on ios um and so using the word div or the the tag div doesn't actually make sense in a mobile context um and so that's why it i think it was a better i think it's what you what react native or sorry what react js should have been of course adoption's easier when you can just map it directly so i get it yeah indeed okay yeah. So what about having the idea of, uh, I think one of the things that's difficult for me to, to think about and to do properly mm-hmm. is like React really goes for the idea of immutable data. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, things need to change, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. does this actually work properly uh, with React <laughs> Native? Like do you ever find yourself like, man, I really want to like mutate this data, but I can't. Yeah. So it is JavaScript straight up, so you can you can still mutate things. But the way that React wants you to do it with set state and whatnot is to you know make shallow clones or deep clones of things and then and then update them. Um, I'm okay, so I'm kind of old school. <clears throat> I've been around a long time. I've been doing this a long time. You know, since 1991 or 1992. Uh, I don't think mutable data is as bad as people make it out to be, right? Like, I feel like there's a place for it. Uh, immutable data, I understand, like, is is very valuable, and especially in, in uh, shared contexts where you don't want to be changing someone else's memory. I understand that. Uh, but because of that, Redux, really, which was the state management system that kind of came out in the, I don't know, 2015, 2014, whenever it was that it really became really popular, uh, that uh, that really kind of brought that immutable data. It's kind of an Elm like, you know, Elmlang type approach to to uh, to JavaScript. And we did we did Redux for a few years, but what we actually really liked was MobX State Tree, which was uh, based on MobX, but then it builds sort of like a Redux like pattern around it, um, where you can mutate things, but only in certain cases or in certain places. So. It gives you like, if you're going to make a change, you have to do it right here. You can't do it anywhere else. And then it's protected and it's kind of like managed and whatnot. And then when you make those changes, any observers, which would be like a component that's using this data will re-render at that point. 
So it becomes very fast. It becomes very targeted. Like only the component that cares about that data will re-render. We use that. That's not really a React pattern. That's more of our, our own pattern or MobX state tree pattern. Um, so you're able to kind of layer things on top of it to work the way you want it to. If you want everything to be uh, immutable, you can do it that way. Um, if you want things to be, you know, if you want to be passing props all the way down to the the leaf nodes and make them re-render, uh, you can do it that way if you want. Uh, there's a few different ways you can kind of go about it. And React specifically and React Native have the, the, the core teams have been very, very loath to say this is the way to do state management. And that's been both a good and a bad thing. So state management within React is similar to Flutter where everybody is flaming each other about which one to use and which one's the best, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I think there like I said, there's good and bad. So the good, well, the bad is that uh you get that. You get kind of like these these tribal lines drawn and you know, things like that. The good though is if the core team says this is the way to do state management, and then a better way comes out. Like, what do you do? Like you stay with the the standard, but worse version, or do you stay, you like, like kind of hack on top of it, something better, um, by leaving it open wild west, whatever you get all this experimentation. Like, I don't like Redux. Maybe I don't like mob X state tree either. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to do something else. Uh, maybe I'll just use GraphQL queries or maybe I'll, I'll use, um, uh, uh, like uh mob x specifically just by itself instead of mob x state tree or or whatever like there's a, there's so many state management in fact my partner uh gant laborde has a whole uh repo that's that's dedicated to state management systems and it's called react state museum if you go to the react state museum it's full of examples of every it's sort of like you remember to do mvc like the ori- original well it's sort of that for react state management and so there's all different examples of how to do things in uh in different state management things so at the end of the day we had a lot of choice and we ended up settling on mob x state tree and we've been pretty happy with it about four years now is mob x state tree the same as mob x because i do know mob x it's powered by mob x and it, by the way it works on flutter too and i'm actually the primary maintainer of mob x state tree now uh but essentially it gives you a bunch of tools and patterns on top of mob x because mob x is a little too like uh, it, it just gives you like basic tools and then you have to build your own state management system around it where mob X state tree says, this is how you do it. And it gives you some tools to do it. And like things like runtime type checking and, and automatic TypeScript uh, type uh, generation and things like that. So uh, I'm a big fan of mob X state tree. Uh, I probably wouldn't just build an app using just mob X, but you know, people do and they do fine with it too. Yeah, I, I tried playing with MobX before with because yeah. I have a client right now who said, yeah, this is what we use in our mm-hmm. React app, so can we use this in Flutter? Yeah. And I find it so similar to other... After a while, I feel like some of these patterns, these statements, yeah. they're really similar at the core. So it's like, right? yeah, this is nice, but for, for Flutter, there is a code generation aspect. You have to generate a lot of code for it. And mm, yeah. I thought this is just too much for me. This doesn't oh, really I make see. sense. Yeah. I haven't used it with Flutter, so I have I have no idea how sort of that kind of all comes together. Yeah, I mean, but in general, the idea of observing stuff and looking, waiting for yeah. changes. I mean, I think yeah, for any mobile or UI framework, it's all about events happening. Yeah, 
Exactly. Yep. And that's and what what's cool about what I like about MobX State Tree and specifically MobX React, which is what we use, MobX React Lite, which we, is what we use to kind of observe, is that when you access a property of your store or model or whatever, it tracks that. And so it says, hey, in this component that I'm tracking or like wrapping here, uh, they accessed user dot first name. And then anytime user dot first name changes, it's like, hey, I, I'm, you know, I, and, it, and you can only change it in an action. So you trigger an action, you say, change the first name. Now, every, every observer out there that's, that has ever accessed first name is like, okay, I need to re-render, including things like derived, uh, you know, computed data. So like, um, if you had dot full name and full name was a, it was, uh, composed of first name and last name. Well, now, um, it knows that full name accessed first name. And when first name changes, anything that accessed full name needs to change as well. So it's really targeted that way. It's, it, it works quite well. We've run into a few issues with very large apps with some performance with it. And we're looking at ways to, um, sort of mitigate that. Not so much big apps, but more like, big screens that are full of like tons of changing information that's changing all the time. Like if you had a stock chart thing that was just constantly changing, um, it starts to hit the limit of MobX state tree. And so we're, we're kind of looking at that and seeing, you know, how we can, how we can improve things. Yeah. That, that makes some sense. Yeah. I remember looking at MobX and I thought that was kind of cool, but yeah. Yeah. Like you said, if you have a bunch of stuff that's related to that, it's just gets really heavy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. Cause that's a lot to kind of track. And, and, and I think that like anything you're, you're trading off, like for us, it's the developer experience. Cause a lot of our clients are, you know, uh, startups, um, you know, uh, co- companies that are scale ups, like companies that are really trying to, uh, hit another gear. And so a lot of what they're looking at is efficiency of development and, um, not necessarily always like super, focused on the performance right away. Now we obviously come back in later and start doing uh, performance passes and stuff like that. Uh, but that, that's where a lot of our, whatever, a lot of our clients have been. So now the, the next question I have is like, what's in your toolbox when you start developing an app? Because, uh, mm-hmm. for, for me, when I use Flutter, I like to use Android studio. I can still debug straight into, to the native stuff. The, the yep. tooling is really great in there. How about for React? Because my impression of React is that there's not a lot of great tooling, but the only, I did this years ago, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm aware things sure. probably changed for the better. So what yeah. would be like in your toolbox when you create a React Native app? That's a great question. Um, so recently I've actually been doing some Twitch streaming, uh, which has been fun. Uh, because as CTO, I don't get to be as hands-on all the time. Uh, I'm helping people, but a lot of my stuff is just managing the team of you know 20 React Native developers. So I'm... I, I'm not in the code a lot, uh, but I've been doing that on Twitch um, and it's been, it's been great. And what I did recently, I was actually in Android studio a lot in this recent one where I was actually building an Android native component and then bringing that back into react native and mounting that component as a native component. And then uh, having some interaction. So like you tap it on the native side, it would handle the tap and then do like a flip anim- animation in the background and then also send a, like an on press to react native so that react native could do stuff. So there's some communication back and forth, but there's stuff happening in Java on the back end. I could use Kotlin if I wanted to, but I just, I stayed in Java. And, um, so 
because of that, uh, I was definitely in Android Studio a lot. And I think that in certain parts of a project, you'll definitely be using Android Studio quite a bit. Uh, same thing with um, Xcode for iOS. And I'm going to be doing that probably pretty soon. I don't know if tom- tomorrow is my next stream stream date and I might tackle iOS at that point. Um, but a lot of our tooling, you're right, it has gotten better over the years. We actually built a tool called Reactatron. Reactatron can be used with web, but it can also be used with React Native. And so, uh, and it's more useful with React Native just because that's what we use it for. So we optimize it for that. Uh, but it works with Redux. It also works with MobX state tree. There are some other plugins for other state management systems. It allows you to inspect your state, change your state, um, send commands to the JavaScript layer dynamically. So you can be like, Hey, reset all the stores. I want to go back or, or like, Hey, go to this. You can like take state snapshots and be like, I want to go to this state. Like I'm logged in and ready to go or something like that. Um, so Reactatron is a free desktop app that works on Mac, Linux, um, windows and it uh it allows you to kind of connect in with that so that's been a big part there's also flipper and flipper came out from facebook uh, a couple years ago we actually they actually approached us to implement react native into flipper as the first plugin for flipper so reactatron is in flipper as well you can use it in flipper and flipper gives you it was actually originally designed for native apps not for react native but then they kind of expanded it to work with react native as well. And so that gives you things like you can, uh, you can break down the view hierarchy and whatnot. Um, and a lot of like n- more native, uh, performance and uh, profiling and things like that. Uh, you can also use, uh, dev tools for various things. You can connect it up to, uh, Chrome, uh, and, and run, run things from there. So there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's gone. I, I think that there's still some room to grow there. Um, uh, you know, like uh, React Native still needs more tooling and, it, and it's slowly kind of happening. But uh, but yeah, it, there's definitely some room to grow there. Um, overall, though, most of the time we're going to be using Xcode, Android Studio, uh, uh, Reactatron, Flipper, and we may use some other uh, specialized tools as well. Um, but and then, of course, a lot of old school debugging with, you know, console.log. I find that quite interesting because I think for majority of Flutter apps, uh, you just stay in VS Code or, or Android mm. Studio, depending which one you want yeah. to use. You don't really flip around to other editors. So you're saying like, yeah. if you really want to be, if you want to be into uh, React Native, you should still get comfortable with both ends of the spectrum, right? I, I think to be an expert, you you probably should, um, but you can do ninety some percent of what you, in fact, I have developers who really don't ever touch the native side ever. Uh, and they've been working on apps for a long time, but they're just building react stuff. I, most of the time, if you take a react developer, like a, someone who's familiar with react and drop them into a react native project, they're pretty much productive within about a week or two. Then once, once you get them going with that, they're not necessarily going to be able to, you know, solve the hardest problems. It's, it's one of those things that's easy to learn, hard to, master right so it's like you're 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 able to be productive but you're not necessarily able to do everything and so that's something that i try to bring to my team is the ability to deep dive into the native side of things we have some other people uh at infinite red who are really good with native um so but i would say half the team probably doesn't spend any time in native you know hardly ever uh so it it really depends on what you're doing like in my live streams i like taking on some of these harder topics you know like hey let's build a 
uh, a native component in both iOS and Android and have it interface over to React Native. That's that's fun to me, although, you know, sometimes frustrating, too, because there, there's always, you know, interactions and whatnot. Uh, one of the things that React Native definitely has upon Flutter, and mm-hmm. I know people are looking for it, and I know some of my clients also want it, which is uh, push upgrade, right, where you can mm-hmm. push over the wire and you can upgrade people's apps without yeah. them actually having to go to the store. How yeah. does this actually work? Do you know? I actually... Uh... I actually demonstrated that in a recent, you know, sorry to do all this self-promotion, but I, <laughs> I actually did this in a recent Twitch stream. And, uh, so it, it's, there's a couple of, well, there's probably, there's probably more than two ways to do this, but, um, Microsoft has Microsoft code push, which is really cool. And they handle a lot of things. Expo, which is a layer built on top and a service basically built on top of, uh, react native, um, has their own called Expo Updates. Expo Updates is what I played with. Uh, we've done Microsoft Code Push. It's fine. Does its job. It's good. I wanted to try Expo Updates. It was really, really cool how that worked. So at the end of the day, when you're developing a React Native app, you have a Metro server is what it's called. Metro is the, the package. And it's watching your JavaScript. And it's basically acting like Webpack or or one of these others where it'll bundle it up for you into a single file. Because you just need one file for a React Native, like just one JavaScript file. It'll load it in, start executing. It, okay, um, so it like your app that's on your phone or your or your simulator is reaching out to this, you know, local host eight thousand or whatever, downloading that file and then runs it. So anytime you change it, you it, you know you can just refresh and you're back with the latest uh, JavaScript bundle. When you go to production, you build that bundle once and then it gets actually added in as like an asset, right? Like just like an image file or any other asset into your app. And then your app refers to it using more of an asset path, you know, and and loads that up into JavaScript core, if that's what you're using, which is the, the normal JavaScript thing, or Hermes, which is the new way to do it. Facebook has been doing a lot of uh, work building this new JavaScript engine that is specifically tuned for React Native apps because JavaScript core, core is more for websites and it's tuned for what, what websites need, uh, where React Native has different trade-offs that are necessary, like fast, you know, speedy startup time is really, really important. Like, you know, when you have a browser, your JavaScript engine is up and running already, right? When you go to a new web page, you don't have to start the JavaScript engine. You just feed it the new JavaScript, right? So that's what JavaScript core is about. It's like, give me new JavaScript and I'll parse it really quick and do it. That doesn't work for React Native because the very first thing you do is spin up the the JavaScript engine and give it JavaScript. And then you don't give it new JavaScript very often. Like that's it. You're 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 running. So it's a different like profile for performance. So either JavaScript core or Hermes. Those are the two things. Now, what's cool about that is it's just a file. It's just a file. Like it's just a literally a JavaScript file. So I can run uh, a command to bundle up new JavaScript. And then in the app, I have a little thing that's just checking a lo- location once in a while, maybe once on uh, on startup or maybe like once an hour or whatever. Like it checks and it says, what's your version? And then it tells it the version, maybe a hash or something. And then it says, oh, that matches mine. No update. Okay, we're good. And it moves on. But 
if it gets back a different hash or a different version number, it says, ah, okay, update available. And now you as an application developer can, you'll get it, you'll get a callback. It says, you know, like update is available and you can choose, do I want to defer this? Do I want to ask the user? Do you want to update, download the update? Um, or do you just do it and force them to re, you know, restart right now? Like this is an app like decision, a product decision. So we've all been in apps where it says new update available, tap here to restart. We've seen that. Um, that's what's happening. It's going out, it's downloading the app or the new bundle. It sits there alongside the other one, like the new one sitting there. Next time you load up the app, it uses the new one. And now you've got all the new functionality. Big concern here was Apple and to some degree Google, but mostly Apple. Apple has long been like, no, you can't change the functionality of your app without going through app review. Like this is a big deal. But for some reason, they've been okay with this. And as far as I can tell, they're going to continue to be uh, good with this. And they've told developers we're going to continue to be good with this because like Facebook's doing it all the time. Uh, Instagram's doing it all the time. You know, Coinbase and all these companies are using this, this, uh, this, uh, code push, um, or expo updates or their own hand rolled version of that. Cause you can do it yourself if you want. Um, so, all of these things are are available. In a lot of ways, it's not that different than having a web page open that detects that, hey, there's a new JavaScript bundle and then prompts you to refresh, right? Um, it's not that different than that because you are running JavaScript on, on the actual client. So that's one of the benefits of doing that. I know with Flutter, since you're compiling, I think you're compiling to native code. Um, it's not as easy to do that. Now, there's some benefits to compiling to native code for sure, uh, but but like that's that's one thing that I think makes it a little. That's why they probably haven't released it yet. Uh, that's something that's that's a little tougher. It's not just replacing a file, in other words. Yeah, because that's there's there's a long discussion. I'm also looking at it too because there's so many times where like you launch something. Yeah. I've literally had days where it's like I launched it and then like it's in the app review and it, maybe it was just like maybe it's like literally in review, uh, and all of a sudden my client's like, oh, we just I just found a bug. I was like. <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> that's been, exactly it's been days like that and you're like oh yeah that's yeah this isn't good and 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 that that uh that that cycle that loop uh is just too long with now it's gotten better for sure it's like way easier to get updates through especially urgent ones we actually had for our conference in portland uh chain react which is a react native focused conference only one in the u.s um it, uh, so we, we had the, the conference app was built in React Native and we had a bug in Android and we were like freaking out about it, you know, on the day that we were starting the conference and it would like crash if you went to a certain place. Um, so one of our developers just, uh, went in there, made a fix. It was just like an undefined error problem, you know, and, uh, the, uh, then pushed it out as a code push update and, we were good. Like it, it just, it fixed it. Uh, now there's things like rollbacks and stuff like that built into this, both expo updates and code push, uh, have that, but yeah, that was really cool. It was really cool to see that. Now I do have, uh, one more thing that kind of came up in my mind is, um, yeah, we t- I think, did we mention this, the word dog fooding today or was that yesterday? I, I think recently we're somebody was talking about dog fooding. Maybe we didn't talk okay. about it today in this one. Not yet. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about that now. Right. So, I mean, Facebook came out, they are using React Native, right, for their mm-hmm. main Facebook app. But 
if I remember correctly, Messenger has been rewritten to be 100% native, right? Does that give you any kind of concern or anything? Because I think their big thing was like, we have to have great performance. Right. We have to have, yeah. because I think they're, they're aiming Messenger to be used in these low bandwidth, low kind of places, right. right? So it's like when you have React Native, you're not just shipping just an iOS app with what you can build basic components. There's other stuff added onto it. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, is there any concerns for, like, when, or, or any thoughts about this where even Facebook's like, listen, we're not, we can't use React Native at this point. We have to go with native. I, um, I'm wondering how much I can say about this. Uh, I think there's, uh, let me, let me do a real quick, I think it's actually common. Let me, let me go here. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a search on Twitter to see if I, if I can, uh, uh, let's see here. Okay. Yes, he okay, Eli White has talked about this publicly. So I can say uh so they are actually it's true that Messenger um I think on on iOS and Android they're staying with native. I think that's I think that's still true. Um but on desktop they are switching it over to React Native. So they're they're going with uh React Native Windows and React Native Mac OS for desktop messenger. Uh, which is currently Electron, by the way. So they are, the Messenger team is using React Native, maybe not for iOS and Android. And I wasn't privy to those discussions, so I don't know exactly why they made those dis- dis- decisions. Often they can be also organizational. Um, I'd, I'd be very interested. I should ask, uh, Eli, like how, you know, like what, what led to those decisions, uh, to go with native there. Um, I don't, I don't mind it at all though. You know, like we were native developers before we were React native developers. We know that we can build software using native and sometimes it makes sense. Like I wouldn't build a React native, uh, like immersive game, for example, you probably would with Flutter, but probably not with React native. That's not what it's built for. Um, so there are some situations where React native doesn't make sense. And if you have the ability to field, you know, two teams, Android and iOS and somehow keep them synced up because that's one of the big things that Flutter and React Native both solve the fact that you can release features at the same time and not just be like, oh yeah, Android, you're coming soon, you know? <laughs> um, like, uh, then then you can do that. And there are some wins that you get by doing that, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but I do know that the Messenger team is using React Native, maybe not for the iOS and Android side of it. I think my, my last question is uh, one of the things I did bring up when we had the, the email exchange a while back. What would you say React Native would be a great choice for? And what do you say it's maybe not so great choice for? So obviously, like you said, making a game probably isn't yeah. the best idea. Um, maybe you can dig into that. Yeah. So, uh, so one of the fundamental differences that I think Flutter and React Native uh, between the two Flutter very much wants to control its canvas. Like it's going to do its own drawing. It's going to like use its own kind of, uh, way of it's, it's going to be its own rendering engine. Basically, even on web, it's using canvas, for example. Um, if I'm correct, I think it is. And, um, and the benefit of that is that you can have this fine grain control over everything. It really like, um, like you can get performance out of it and you can also just make sure that, it's it's running exactly what you're what you want. The downside is that you're not quote unquote using the platform. You know, 
you're not using divs, you're not using spans, you're not using the, 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 the primitives that the, the platform is expecting you to use. React Native will use that. You know, it use, it's using UI views, it's using Android layouts, it's using what is kind of native to the platform itself. And so because of that, the things that you would build using the platform uh, primitives make it a good fit for React Native. Um, where I think Flutter kind of comes in where you want control over immersive experiences and ability to, you know, kind of have that level of control. I, there's a lot of overlap there. There are a lot of things where either direction would work fine. You know, like you can use either one. The other place, and I think this actually overrides everything else. And that's why when I, um, when I want to be provocative to Flutter developers, <laughs> what I say is uh, Flutter is better than React Native in all the ways that don't matter. Uh, now that's tongue in cheek, so don't take too much offense uh, to that. But uh, where I think it really, uh, where I think it really matters is the fact that we've got this huge powerhouse that's called React, the web side of it. Just uh, overarching so much of web right now. So many people are using uh, React. And because of that, you have this natural onboarding of React to React Native developers. That's a kind of a, like a natural thing. Um, sort of like Ruby to Elixir developers. Like, you know, like that's like you're not getting Erlang developers. You're getting Ruby developers that want to do Elixir. That's what tends to happen over there. And so I like that. I like that there's a natural onboarding from, from React to React Native. You get a bunch of uh, now there's still plenty of React Native jobs because there's still not enough people doing it. Um Plenty of companies that need uh, jobs filled there. But um, so there, there's that and there's just the, the whole community. And because there's so much overlap from React, then it, you get kind of that power. So like I, I look at that as being if you came in and you were like, hey, we're already doing React web. I'm not sure why you would choose Flutter if you're already a React shop, right? Like React to React Native is a short step. Um if you're not doing React, now it becomes like, go ahead and make a decision. You know, like, what 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 is your particular project need? Do you want to do Dart? Do you want to do TypeScript or JavaScript? Like, there's there's a lot of valid decisions to make there. Um, but yeah, I think that's the big one is the the community and the and the tie in with React. It's just it's it's impossible for Flutter to really compete with the fact that there's just this huge huge amount of React developers out there. I think when it comes to the technology. And the developer experience, there's probably some stuff Flutter really has a leg up on React Native. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll go back and forth over time. It's sort of Ford versus Chevy type of a, you know, discussion um, where sometimes one's better, sometimes the other's better. It's fine. You know, like we can debate about those all day long. Um, but it's really kind of ecosystem stuff that I would point to as as saying uh, React Native really shines up. It's a good point. Okay. No, I think that that's definitely in line with my thinking is that, yeah, maybe React Native is, uh, has, has improved since the last time I tried it out. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, yeah, if you're using React, it does, it probably makes more sense to get into React Native. Right. So, yeah. And, and, and like I said, I, I think it's great that they push each other because at the end of the day, if it was just Flutter and that was all we had, or it was just React Native and that's all we had, we'd be worse off as developers because you don't have choices and you also don't have like, like the Flutter community comes up with cool stuff all the time that we as React Native uh, community are like, hey, we want that, you know, and then someone builds it, right? And and vice versa. So these are things that we push each other and we innovate and those two communities just help each other out. There's obviously tongue in cheek, kind of good natured ribbing between the two groups. And I think that's great. I think it's fun. But uh, at the end of the day, 
we're all better off for this. Yeah, I hope we can get along a little bit better. But then again, it's it's no fun, uh, you know, having somebody and you can't you can't dig on them. On them. That's maybe that's just I my know, right? my family culture is yeah to pick on people. If you don't if you don't like the guy, you don't talk to him. If you like him, you pick on him. That's just yeah. our, our family culture, at least. We should have you on React Native Radio. Uh, that'd be fun, and and then you can talk to us about React about Flutter. We had an episode about Flutter too, but given that we're all React Native developers, um, I think that we left a lot of context behind. So having you on the show to talk about Flutter would be a great great idea. So we should we should make that happen. Yeah, just send me the invite. I'll be more than happy to come on. Just make sure it's at a at a good time. So if it's earlier <laughs> in your day, it's actually probably better for me. Right, right. Yeah, um, totally. But yep. yeah, I, I apologize about about kind of still waking up. Uh, <laughs> it's all so good this morning. Just understand yeah. that time zones time zones suck. <laughs> they sure no, do. No choice. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's cool that we get to talk and we're you know half a world apart. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah, indeed. And and again, um, you you're bringing me a a good feeling, right? So the fact that you're mm-hmm. laughing and smiling and enjoying your yep. your life. But then again, maybe I can say, and you're still writing React Native. Maybe there's something. Maybe things have been gotten better. But yeah. also, you also said you're you're not as hands on as you used to be. So maybe that's also it. So I don't know. Let's let's have yeah. a try. I mean, I think uh, I think I would the the metric I would probably use is certainly uh, my own developer happiness uh, with with my developer, my team, uh, and they've been very happy with it. And then also uh, how fast our stack has been changing to try to make things better really hasn't been changing that much lately. Uh, the first couple of years, definitely a ton. And then in the last four years, it's been more incremental. And that's because we found sort of a groove. So, uh, you know, we'll see as Fabric comes out and and some of these other changes kind of happen, uh, how that affects things. Hopefully 1.0 follows soon after. That's really what we're waiting for, I think, uh, is this re-architecture. Uh, once that happens, then uh, we'll see. But, but overall, you know, life as a React Native developer and hopefully as a Flutter developer has been pretty good. Yeah, I'm hoping we can somehow converge at some point. But yeah, no, like I said, it's also good to keep separate, right? Uh, yeah. Apple and Windows keep staying off of each other. But Exactly. So, all right. I think we we kept you here for quite a while. I really enjoyed chatting with you. I think we didn't Likewise. get through all the points I wanted to get through, but I think I got a much better idea. And yeah, uh, yeah it's all sounds good. So did you have anything you wanted to kind of, uh, you know, pitch out to, I suppose, probably React Native Radio? Yeah, definitely uh, check out reactnativeradio.com and uh, um, and also my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Jamin Holmgren, my first and last name. Uh, I'm going to be doing some live coding if you want to drop by and, you know, uh, make a few cracks about React Native. I don't mind. Uh, I like and enjoy, you know, I enjoy uh, banter with my with my audience there. Um, and uh, and of course, Twitter. Uh at Jamin Holmgren, uh, you can you can find me there. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, happy to happy to chat with everybody. Take criticism, take uh, you know compliments, all those things. Uh, it's you know that sort of feedback's how we all get better. Yeah, true. So well, I I like criticism, but always as long as it kind of puts you somewhere, right? Just you know, ask <laughs> yeah. some people that you're too ugly. Is not much you can do about that. But <laughs> not much you can do if, about that. Yeah. If your if your exactly. coding style is 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 could use some improvement, okay, that's that's yeah. well, well said. Yep. Okay. I appreciate you having me on, Alan. It's it was uh, it was a great time here. Thanks so much. I uh, also appreciate you having you on too. So yep. maybe you can come back again later on. So you said yep. that React is releasing some new features, right? Fiber, I believe you announced. Yeah, they're so, going to make an announcement. They've already talked about it before, but they're going to make an announcement, I believe, tomorrow morning. React Native EU. That's uh, six a.m. 
my time, so I don't know exactly what time that is for you. I should probably convert that to UTC. That's Pacific time, so 6 a.m. Pacific to UTC is... That's 1 p.m. Uh, UTC, so uh, whatever that is for you. Well, over here is minus eight, so eight hours before that, which too early for me to be doing math. I don't even like doing math, even when I'm fully awake. That's why I do computer programming, right? But yeah, no, I think if if these upgrades are, are good, and you think that it's it's worth you know talking about, and mm-hmm. especially if it brings it closer to to native performance with Flutter right. or something, then yeah. I think you know we should come back on and once we wrap, you know, once uh, you take some time to wrap your mind around all yeah. the different changes, it could be worth it to talk about. Yeah, totally. Yeah, happy to. Okay. Uh, again, thank you again for coming. Cool. Hopefully, you're back on soon. And uh, let's see if we can push each other to be better and have better tools. Totally. Thanks a lot.